Petro was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year all right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance, and tonight's guest is a new guy on the block. He has a mission in mind, and we got into talking here a couple weeks ago regarding different topics, and he liked my content and stuff like that, and we started getting – I always appreciate the kind words, so I'd like to go one step further and continue on with the conversation and see where we're all at with everything. And a lot of our views and stuff like that are, are very aligned, and then he's brought the the, mo the notion about mentioning – about be becoming a podcast host. And it's like, well, this would be awesome. We could do a podcast together. I could talk about some of my trials and tribulations and some of my do's and don'ts and how I've gotten to where I'm at today and such. And 
and uh, just kind of introduce him to the audience because hopefully some of you will listen to Tyrell when he opens up his own podcast. So I have Tyrell Townsend on the podcast, and he is a family man, a husband. He's a, a bow hunter, which is awesome because, you know, most, most all my guests are bow hunters of some sort. And he's a big waterfowl enthusiast too. So we were talking about a what he wants from his wife for Christmas or for, for Christmas. And he wants her to, to find an opportunity to go out waterfall hunting. So I thought that was pretty unique to that. Uh, they're on that page where it's like, they want to support each other's dreams. And that's one of the key aspects that has allowed me to become successful. Is my wife is very supportive on allowing me to do what I do. And like right now we've been doing different things, with merchandise. So we got um, some new, st- we're going through some new sticker vendors and we're trying them out and we're, experimenting on the stickers and how well they uh, uphold to the dishwasher or strictly hand wash. So now it's just going to basically down to figure out what is going to be our go-to. So Tyrell, why don't you go ahead and like tell people who you are so this way they can gravitate to you in the future. Jeff, thanks for having me. You know, um, I've just grown up around the hunting life. Um, We grew up ranching, you know, hunting was a means to food and I've just, learned a lot of stuff other than hunting from hunting. And I've just always wanted to keep that going in, you know, my family, let alone everybody else's family and just kind of get the word out about it and, you know, teach people on stuff that they might not know about it and just kind of keep that going and what we do in our day to day. Um, my, you know, we, uh, we as hunters always have a goal in our mind to go out and get what we're going after. But it's funny, you know, one of the best hunting stories I have is I never shot anything. It was just being out there and looking over at the smile on somebody else's face and watching the enjoyment in them. And I took more pride in that than getting what I was after. And I just want to be able to share that with more people. Well, that's, that's a good perspective to have because it's like, I found that the older I got, like we had this discussed here a few weeks ago is that the older I get, it's like, I'm more and more selective on the shots. I mean, when I shot my doe, it's like she checked all the boxes that I want to release on, but I'm more excited about helping others be able to obtain their dream because you get a few deer underneath your belt. It's like, now it's like, you just want to see other people light up when they're able to pull that trigger or release their string and all and watch them connect. And now they have meat in the freezer. So where did who taught you who got you into hunting uh, my uncle was definitely the one that got me into hunting my grandpa was a big time hunter big big elk hunter we grew up right at the base of the mountains big elk hunting family um but he was pretty bad health by the time i was getting old enough too so my uncle kind of brought me in and he was actually an upland bird hunter and it kind of spiked my interest but i always you know heard those awesome stories about elk camp and stuff like that and i just kept kind of asking and harping on him to get into something more of the bigger game side of stuff and you know with the age progressing and being able to do that he started taking me and i just i mean addicted is the word <laughs> well that is a good point of thing to, to take like my dad was always big into upland game bird hunting too loved going after pheasants because he grew up in the 80s and 90s in iowa where they have crp land and it was not uncommon for a hunter to get 100 birds in one season now it's like you're lucky to break 50 so he's kind of given up on uh, the bird game so now he just primarily focused on fishing. Now, is your dad still around? My dad is not around, no. Yeah, he passed away. Sorry for your loss. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. So then, uh, now, you, you before we hit, before we record, we had a little conversation. Now, you're bouncing all around the, the U.S. because you're from Wyoming. Yep. You're currently in Colorado. You spent some time in, in communism, California, and then you, but now you're looking at a homestead out in, Col- uh, in Kentucky. So kind of a guide us 
in this this your roadmap of life here? You know, I've I've bounced around a lot of my life. I grew up on the ranching aspect of things. And um, there in my younger days, I used to bounce around from ranch to ranch and help manage and get people's programs on track. So I'm kind of used to the bouncing around. Um, But I met my wife in Colorado. I was running a ranch down in Colorado for a while. And that's where I ended up meeting my wife at. We decided that we were going to get married, but she was still in school. So we moved back to Wyoming while she went to school in Colorado. Well, she's wrapping up her schooling. So I have actually moved everything out to Kentucky, where the homestead is now, technically. We still have our place in Wyoming. Um, my wife is in Colorado now, so we're kind of spread all over. And like you said, I just got back from California, went down there to see some family. Um, tomorrow, I'll be back in Wyoming. Tomorrow night, I'll be back in Colorado. I'm just kind of covering a lot of country this year. Yeah, you are. So then uh, is she going to school in Denver or Colorado Springs? Or where at? Fort Collins at CSU. Okay, I know where Fort Collins is. So I did uh, when I was out hitchhiking uh, about a decade or so ago. I went through Fort, uh, uh, Loveland and Fort Collins there, and I kind of like I was stuck in a situation where I need to find a place for cover while I was out there. And I managed to do it, but it's absolutely just gorgeous area out there. It's nice. It's far enough far enough north away from Denver, but it's got a life a life of its own. It's almost like it's its own piece of heaven. That's just that you just don't want the big city folk to come up there and ruin it in a sense. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. It's a nice. You know, it's it's grown a lot since I've ever first seen it, but it's still kind of got that small. We're kind of on the northern end of it um, in a little town called Wellington. So we're still in that small town atmosphere, which is super nice. But I mean, you can sure see everything growing this way real fast. So how did you take, how did you get your, how did you get moved from Wyoming all the way out to Kentucky then? So now is this because your wife has an opportunity to go out there or is this something you wanted to do? You know, she, it started with her having an opportunity for her job out there. And we went back in September for two weeks and just kind of hung out, checked it out. And uh, she she worked with a, a horse surgeon out there for a few weeks to see how she liked it. And I just got to travel around and look at the land. And for a lot of people from Wyoming, you know, it's just brown and windy most of the year. And we went to Kentucky when it was brown and windy there. And I pulled into Kentucky and it's green and there's water and there's trees. And I mean, I was at heaven at first sight. And then we stayed on a nice little lake and we pulled our uh, 35 foot fifth wheel down there and stayed on a little lake there. And I'm seeing ducks and geese smacking this water right behind me. And it turned into more of the hunting aspect for me. I mean, obviously, her job is still very important. But once I saw those birds, I knew that Kentucky could be somewhere I could settle. Now, your thing is, like, you were talking to me and telling me that you do a fencing com- uh, a, a, a company. Yes. And this, is, you, this was a very interesting avenue that I'd never really ever thought about is that you now have access to a bunch of folks out there to have land. Now, is this some, Is this your company or are you, uh, you hired on? No, me and my wife started it um, about two years before we got married. We actually started it together. We were married long before we were married. We, we had purchased cattle and started a company long before our marriage started. So we've been married longer than, than it says. Um, but that's something that we started together. You know, growing up ranching, I've fenced a lot. And I've worked for fencing companies on the side, making some money. And then I just kind of decided I want to do something on my own and see how I could do it. And it's taken off for us and it's been very well to us. That's exciting, man. So then how did you, how did this, this notion start like, Hey, I'm going to do fencing now. What's, what spawned that inspiration? You know, I was the ranch I was working at, they were getting on track. I don't stick around for very long, one to two years at each ranch I was at. I was on my second year. Um, we were getting kind of slow. They were getting on track. I wasn't 
really needed. So I, uh, I met a really nice guy while I was there that owned a fencing company. And he asked me if I'd be interested in giving him a hand on my, my slow days. So I started doing that for him. And the next thing you know, he wasn't showing up to work and it was just me and one guy. And I was kind of running the thing and it was fun. I enjoy it. You know, you're out, you're still, you know, out seeing cows and horses and seeing land every day, which is awesome for me. And I just got to the point where uh, the checks were coming to me and then I was handing to him and, you know, I'm not a nosy person, but you know what, you know, what's written on the checks. And I'm thinking this doesn't quite add up. And I, I just kind of realized the money that could be made and why not do it for myself? That's pretty intelligent. Now, what you were saying caught up on your ranches. What do you mean by that? So I, so uh, I'm trying to think how to explain it. Um, so I go in and on genetic herds and commercial herds, two completely different things, but the breeding programs and how they run their operation, how they do their sales, um, their f- feeding programs, how they feed them, what they feed them, how much they feed them, stuff like that. I just go in and help them do the lowest cost of investment for the greatest outcome of money. And I just kind of go in and just help them get everything organized. So then how did you get your skill set to be able to do that and just be a, con- a, a basically a temporary person to get them caught up? Like, how did you develop that? Did you get trained on this, go to school? I just grew up loving cattle. That was from a very young age. That's all I wanted to be was a cowboy. I mean, every picture you ever see of me is boots and hat. I just always wanted to do it. Um, I was fortunate and some of my family had land and cattle. So I grew up doing it. And then in Northern part of Wyoming, where I grew up, there was nothing but cows. So that was a very awesome thing for me because I enjoyed it. And just over years, I started getting a very good skill set, and my name started spreading and I was able just to keep growing off it and keep helping people. That's pretty, that's pretty spectacular, man. So then you, you, you're just like engulfed in it. So that's a, this transition from Wyoming to Kentucky is a big one for you. At least you have the skill set to be able to get out to the farms there and help with um, taking care of the fencing. So then what do you do as a, like, what kind of equipment do you need to get into, uh, to essentially setting up fences? You know, the first year it was just me and my wife. We couldn't afford to pay anybody. We had actually just gotten married. We had just gotten back from Mexico, bought a house, and started a company all in two months. So it was quite a chaotic time in my life. We couldn't afford any equipment. So we started our first year, just me and my wife, with um, a camping bar, a set of post hole diggers, and a T-post pounder, and did everything by hand. And it was miserable. I'll never go back. Um, Nowadays, we run equipment. We have a skid steer. I have attachments for just about anything that you can imagine that you would need. Um, I have a pounder that pounds the wood post in. There's no digging holes. I mean, other than rocky areas, you have to use the auger, but I have, I mean, down to the hardest thing you have to do is put a clip on a piece of wire. Nowadays, we have equipment that unrolls the wire and uh, it's, it's saved our life a lot. Oh, I bet. Well, that's the nice thing about uh, paying your dues because now it's like you go through those hard times to get to those good times. And now you are being more appreciative of where you once were because you know how much it sucked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I get a couple of these young kids, you know, and we, Fencing is a young kid's sport, I say. You know, I'm only 29 and I still feel sometimes like I'm a little old for fencing. But I mean, even though with all the equipment, we still have our hard days where we can't get equipment to it and it's by hand. Um, but, you know, we have a, we go through a lot of workers. It's, it's surprising how many of these young kids don't like doing manual labor nowadays. And I mean, everybody could agree with me on that. But I have kids come in and complain and I'm like, I could park the equipment. We could do it how we started. And I can promise you this way is a lot better. That is a good I, that is a good analogy to put them into perspective and stuff like that. Now, uh, um, so 
with your um, you said you you have two kids, right? You have a, a, a son and a daughter, correct? Yes, yes, I do. And you just and your daughter's the youngest, right? She's only like seven months old. She just turned seven months old. Yes, on the third. Yep. Congratulations on that. So then that you guys are in a very busy mindset with everything between the two kids and you guys living in separate parts of the country. Yes, we we live on I like to call it on the edge of chaos at a lot of times. You know, we have a lot of moving parts and I think that if it slowed down, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I think I'd get a little stir crazy. So it'd be nice. It'll be nice when, you know, they're moved out to Kentucky and we're all together again and it's all kind of slowed down, but just so used to this since, since I've met my wife, just constantly moving and doing and going. So it's been how we've made it work is interesting because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but we've just been able to go with it, you know, come out on top. Fortunately. That's, that's always fantastic news. And it's like, it goes back to like finding a good partner, and especially like you guys are so emotionally independent that you guys can just tackle what comes in front of you and she'll keep driving forward then. So then she has, uh, she deal, she has the kids full time then while you're continuing to grow your business out there in Kentucky. Yes. Yes. So I have my daughter, my youngest is with my wife. I have a, my son is with a previous relationship. Oh, okay. Okay. And then hold your son again. He is five. Five man, that's a fun age. Yes, because it's like now they're start now they're starting to get a little more curious. And they want to get out and do more things, and especially like when, when your when your kids are that age, they're almost a, they're almost a mirror of you. Yeah. So this way, they always want to do what what dad is doing. My daughter was the same way as she got a little bit older. When I was, she's like she's a little bit more independent. So now it's like she just wants to just kind of observe and then figure out if she wants to participate. So at least you, at least you have a good balance of everything. And do you get is your son out in Kentucky too? No, he's still back home in Wyoming. Man, that's gonna be it's gonna be tough over the for over the next few years. Yeah, it's a, it's a distance, you know. Um, but we'll definitely do what we need to do to make it work. Yeah, I know that. I know that. I know that attitude. I understand that a hundred percent because my daughter's a few a few miles away too. So it's like I get the 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 long drives and the in the nights and the days that you have to travel. It's like I get a hundred percent. So there's no. I know the struggle behind it. But the nice thing is, all of those miles will pay off in the end. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because I know my dad did the same thing too. Because I I wasn't very like uh, when my parents separated when I was young, uh, they it was it was always commute between the two of us. But my dad he whether it be rain snow or shine he figured out how to do it. Yeah, we we and we we played uh, cautionary tales and stuff like that with dealing with the snow and such. So we go from there. The tougher times is when they get old enough when they still want to they start wanting dating girls. That's how I kind of like how I was. It's like. <laughs> Girls started came into my life, started working, make a little bit of money, and then my my time with my father kind of um, disappeared. And it's like I kind of regret it now, being older and such, to kind of see what what I'm going to be going through now. It's like I want to get that quality timing because there's going to be about a decade or so where she's going to be finding herself and developing herself and developing relations and working and such. So it's kind of be kind of be make the time that I have very quality. Yes, yep. getting out fishing, getting out hunting, shed hunting, all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. So uh, this year we decided to go to Shields here a few weeks ago, and it's, this is right around Black Friday. It was coming up and stuff like that, and it's like I took her to Shields there, and I wanted her to shoot a crossbow, just like to see what kind of gauge some interest from it. And it was so we went and shot. She not really impressed by it, and uh, but it's like I asked, her, so do you want to come out and hunt with me if we get one of these? It's like, Dad, I don't have the patience for it. It's like, well, you know, I can appreciate your honesty. Yeah, you know, no, I took my five year old this year for his first time. Unfortunately. 
five years old is kind of young to be on a hunt. If there was a little bit more action, I think he would have been a little bit more intrigued. He went out, he had fun, we walked. Um, we didn't get on anything real nice, so we didn't take a shot at anything. But he definitely had fun until the part where we just kind of sat there. And then, you know, the interest kind of peters out really quick at that point. Now, when you took him on the hunt, were you were you going elk or mule deer, deer hunt? hunter? We were doing deer mule deer, hunt. yep. Mule deer, okay. Yeah, because that could be that's, – it's all fun and fun and game for the stock, but it's like if, if you're not seeing anything, you have to – I almost having like, – bringing a five-year-old is like bringing a, uh, a camera crew with you. Yes. Because you have to really – pay attention to each step they're making and everything else like that. And especially like if you're like when you watch Steve Ranello or when you're dealing, when you watch um, Randy Newberg, like those guys usually have two or three guys following them around. So it's like, well, this nice thing is like all of them had that experience of hunting, but still it's like one wrong person that wind changes and they catch them and they don't, it's it could send everything solid. Oh yeah. Hunt over in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about uh, these, the early season hunts, you know, it's like you get them out there in like September or even before the season opens, so you're just doing a simple spot and stock. I mean, that right there can just get the kids motivated and such. Because, like, I'll take uh, Sophia out. We'll go at uh, right about dusk, and we'll go out to a spot where I know I, I always get a lot of deer. And it's like just watching you just count all of them. And she's getting all excited. It's like, oh, look, there's a buck. There's a doe and stuff like that. And it's like I'm just going and like, I park the car in a way or the vehicle in a way. So this way we're looking at two separate fields. And so it's like give her a pair of binoculars. And, it's like, and I, I always set it up. Where she's gonna see more deer than I will. Yeah, but it's like it's 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 that uh, setting that up to kind of keep trying to get her hooked into it because this way then she just always gets more of an appreciation of it. So this way then if she does meet a man that does hunt, then she's gonna she's gonna respect that discipline to be able to manage the household, but also get out there and get some mental health quality going on there. You know. Oh yeah, and if he doesn't hunt, he's not allowed in the family, of course. That that's pretty much about right. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, that's usually how it goes. So <laughs> now. um you when you made mention that you thought about getting into uh, to podcasting, what has kind of drew, uh, inspiring you to move this direction? You know, I, I listen to quite a few podcasts. I'm on the road a lot with my job. I travel a lot to different places, and with this move, you know, constantly moving, I'm just I spend a lot of time in my truck. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of time, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm on the phone talking to somebody. And I'm always talking about hunting or, you know, just everything, like kind of an average Joe day. I'll talk to my buddy about his job and learn some things about his job that I don't know anything about. And I'm just always learning, interested in taking in more knowledge and then maybe spitting some more out to some other people, you know. And I, I feel like podcasts are a really good way of doing that, just kind of sharing your point of view on a lot of things, maybe sharing and, I mean, learning a lot too. I mean, just talking to somebody, they can teach you a whole lot that you never thought you'd learn. And it's just kind of uh, getting to know people, getting to know some good people, you know, swapping some knowledge and just kind of more of the relationship base of it, you know, and just, I've just always been interested in getting to know more people and learning more things. I've always wanted to learn more about, I mean, hunting, obviously, but anything. I'm always, I'm always interested in learning anything. I just, it intrigues me. That is a good, uh, good philosophy to be. Cause it's like, I started this podcast because I wanted to capture stories and be able to chat with people because that's, that seems to be a lost art as I get older and the, and the younger generation comes up behind me. Cause when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties and listening to my dad talk, it's like, you'd have anybody between six to eight people in a group just sitting there 
shit bullshit and all you're doing is listening because it's like you can't really contribute much to the conversation because you don't know enough so it's just easier to be asking questions be curious and so that's my curious nature kind of led me down this direction here and uh i met my girlfriend at the time now wife and she was very like supportive of being going this and she helped me allocate funds to buy some stuff and go on from there and uh it's just that that the curiosity is where it's at because I've been able to talk to some very unique people and like so far some of my top favorite co- conversations is always about food, trying something out, traveling or trying to make something happen with other folks. And then uh, like I just sat down with a couple episodes ago, I had um, my good friend Brady Malone come on. We talked about cryptocurrency and how that will actually re- uh, revolutionize the upcoming generation because. It's DeFi, it's de- decentralized financial, uh, and what it means is that you don't have the oversight of big banks. So there's a there's a gal out of Texas, and she does Sarah coding, and she was talking to me, or she was mentioning on TikTok that she wasn't able to run payments from Venmo and PayPal and a few other people because she deals with firearms, and that's where it's going to come down to restricting people's access to be able to do this fun stuff and cryptocurrency is where it's going to be at we're going to see it's not happening yet but we're going to start seeing them move that move that pendulum close to that area because now i can transfer you x amount of money for a hunt and not have to deal with the banks and it's instant not one of these things where i have to wait for the money to transfer over there and and make sure the thing hits there so this way then if you have overdrafts possibly happening it, it just kind of eliminates that middleman and takes seconds instead of days yeah absolutely and i can see that becoming a huge thing um on the gun side as well, the business side, I mean, our, even our business has moved to a lot of electronical, you know, transfers and it's became, it's made my job easier, especially being on the road and being in different States when people just transfer you money. Granted, it's still going through banks through Venmo and stuff like that. But if we could get into the cryptocurrency, I could absolutely see it making it even easier on me. Oh yeah, exactly. And there, there's something called stable coins, which they, they back by using the U S dollar and you can utilize that as a one-to-one ratio currently right now and as long as the u.s maintains the dominance of the one dollar bill that the trip that stable coin is going to work perfectly then the best part about uh working within cryptocurrency is that you, that you can do something what they call staking and some platforms allow you to stake like you can get an api apy at nine percent you can't you can't get that from a bank and that's what the banks don't like that's why you start seeing all of this um legislation trying to be passed and with the irs and stuff because you can't monkey with the cartel because they always want their cut. But then it kind of opens up the opportunity for you to be able to do what you want to do. As long as you just pay your taxes, you're fine. And that's the, what we you just need to maintain. Because once it's on the blockchain, which means it's like it's a ledger. And so you, it never goes away. So you could, it could be 10 years down the road. And you didn't pay taxes on something that you did in 2020. Well, you're now they can come back and get go after you for it. But that's the best part about it. It's like, yeah, so you had to pay attention to the World Economic Forum. And they've been talking about the this great reset because the, the pandemic has been able to uh, fast, fast forward everything much quicker for them to get to that point. So just kind of keep an eye out for um, lingo like that when we start seeing stuff and when we start seeing banks start shutting down. Because if you want to move your money, the best way to do is get it out of the banks and put it into into cryptocurrency because now you're going to have access to that money wherever it goes. But the thing is, like whether it be whether you have that in a in a cash asset or a digital asset, even if the uh, the banking system the 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 grid goes down, you're kind of SOL. But that's why bullets are the way to because either you can either barter with bullets, take with bullets, and defend with bullets. So it's like stockpiling is not a bad thing to do. No, no, I have a buddy that always asks me. Uh, actually, one of my employees. He, he asked me once in a while if a guy really needs that many. 
He said, when you leave, you can't carry that many at a time. I said, but I have enough. I don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't know what's going to happen. Cause especially like we, I live in a smaller community and stuff like that, but I have played, I have, I have multiple bug out places depending on how I'm going to need to get there and such. And you're always thinking about like what has water, where has a food source at and such like that. And where, at, and, uh, um, and it just basically a place where I can be stay, um, stay dry. And go from there because if if and when hopefully things won't go sideways but you never know because their way they're talking about with russia and the ukraine and biological warfare and subsonic missiles and stuff like that there's a lot of propaganda out there regarding the fear-mongering of the possibility of a world war three right now we're all distracted by the by the pandemic so it's like you've got to pay attention to what's being covered outside of the continental u.s because we don't know what's going to happen nice and luckily for us is like we have a lot of gun owners here and we uh, we we probably won't have to worry necessarily have to deal with a uh, an invasion, but it's the the infrastructure is what you have to worry about. So it's like having a cache of different objects and different items to defend yourself. It's the way to go. Um, I used to run a, another podcast called the American Sheepdog Podcast, and we now it was all about self defense, prepping, and thinking long term for when the economy does go south because we are due overdue for a market correction. I mean, we are we're at a forty year high. Um, our inflation rates through the roof. We've present we printed off like forty or fifty, sixty percent of our money in the last twenty four months. We're bound to have a massive correction, which is one of those things where it's like uh, owning a house. It's like you're going to see a lot of people going to be bottom uh, going under and such. So having some type of an idea to what you're going to do, whether you have a bug out place or if you have a backup plan, you got to figure out something because those that live in the cities, it's it's a, it's a going to be a dangerous thing so it's something to always be thinking about because we also talked about um we had tony blower on our podcast and he is world renowned for the fear system he's been in hollywood coached a lot of uh high level athletes and such but his whole thing is you, you got to be being prepared for the sneak attack and that's where where women have to be worried about the most because predators will go after a unsuspecting victim when their back's turned so we talked to um uh, philo out of Kentucky, oddly enough, and he t- deals with um, uh, flat or uh, uh, fixed blades for this way for for hand to hand combat because it's like I tell you what though it's like if you if if a guy comes and bear hugs your wife and she has a, a, a fixed blade she doesn't have to worry about thinking about it. all she needs to just start stabbing and, and going from there because if she can get between her legs and get that near the thigh hit and puncture his uh, his artery and things are gonna change real fast yeah yep she just won that battle. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's like as as us being fathers of daughters, that's what we gotta protect her about because the sex trafficking is not going away. And right now, it's like if you pay attention to the Gisley and Maxwell, it seems like somebody's being bought off because it's not uncovering all of the uh, uh, the spider web of evil that's all entangled with it. Yeah, you know, I was I was listening about something about that the other day. Um, honestly, Tim Tebow um, for some reason was on my my uh, Instagram feed and I just clicked on it and saw what was going on. And he, he talks a lot about that and about, and you know, I don't know. It's hard for me to take everybody's word for what they say. You know, I listen very closely and try to decipher what I believe in on myself, but I, I don't know. He, he raised some really good points and he kind of seemed like a guy that was really wanting to call some people out and expose some of those cobwebs himself. There's that little black book would be very damning, but it seems like the there's a lot of fuckery going upon itself. And then come January third is the Prince Andrew Andrew case, and I don't know what the what the royal family is going to do about the even they're going to summon uh, Meghan Markle to stand too because she married into the family and she bounced. She lives over in California, but it's like it's a very very interesting time. But anyways, 
we should probably stick close to more of the, the hunting and the podcasting aspect of it. So now, have you started doing any research on equipment yet? You know, I, I have kind of started. My wife's um, stepfather is, for layman's term, a geek. He is a genius when it comes to technology. He has built, I mean, I call it R2-D2. He's a super huge Star Wars fan, and he built this. I don't know what it is. When I when I go into his house, I don't use his Wi-Fi because I know he's tracking my phone. Like, he just, he just <laughs> he built this thing in the corner. He's got his own internet. He's got his own... I don't know what he does, but he, I walked in there the other day when we were down there and he had a really nice mic set up and I asked him what it was. And of course, I'm not going to remember it right now, um, but I have done some more research on my own as well. And he said that the, the USB is not the way to go. And he kind of gave me some pointers, but um, as of actually actively buying something, I've been kind of waiting to get back home and get some stuff ordered and had some time to actually sit down and start looking. Um, I've bounced this off a few people before and have talked about this in the past and I've been so busy with the company and now this whole big move this year that I keep kind of pushing it off. And I've just decided that I'm tired of pushing it off. If I keep thinking about it, obviously it's for a reason. So I'm just going to start going after it. So I've really started making some steps here in the last couple of weeks of getting after it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I noticed that like a lot of my friends use the XLR mics. So that's what I use. Okay. I've always used that. Uh, I went to, um, we have a guitar shop here in lacrosse and I went to them and I started talking to him about mics and like, I want to do stuff that's outdoors. Something that's easy, quick on and off that actually has a good condenser with it. So he introduced me to the sheer SM 58 S and this is what we're seeing right here. And what makes it special is that there's a switch on here that allows you to turn it on and off. So if someone needs to clear the throat or cough, well, they can quickly shut it off and turn it back on. And it's all attached to it our mic or cable and such so that was one thing and his uh knowledge base comes from like you know those sound effects you hear in movies and stuff like that he rec he did like 90 percent of them he traveled the world recording all of the bar the birds the the animal sounds the hyenas all this stuff all the sound effects you hear in movies he did all that he took his kids with him he went down he was telling me about stories when he went down to bogota bogota he went down to peru he went to chile he went to africa he went all across the world i mean he is just chock full of knowledge so it's like from him i learned like different things like that and uh he would point me in different directions from there and then uh for soundboards i just kind of went on a random search on amazon and it came up with Behringer. And Behringer has been around for decades. That's what kind of went to it. I want to go with something that's been around for a long time, has a plethora of tutorials. Because that's where I kind of like, because a lot of stuff, it's like I've learned I had to do it all on my own. So it's like, what products out there and that have a tutorial system that I can use that can treat that can train me how to do this. And that's one of the reasons why I went to it. That's one. Of, that's what I always recommend to anybody that wants to get into some type of a, a trade or something like that is learn from what other people have done. And this way then you can just kind of uh, learn from them. Because the nice thing about YouTube, there's always going to be videos out there to figure out what you want to do. And now, do you want to travel with your kit? Or do you want to be more stationary and do like we're doing over Zoom? You know, I think it'd be fun to... I would like to do like... My thought is a lot of this, you know, back and forth on Zoom like this, but also getting in with some cool guys that are into the same kind of hunting, go out and do a hunt with them and then sit down and set up a podcast and do a podcast with them on that hunt and then also some other things. But I think it'd be really cool to travel around and meet some people face to face as well and do them, you know, face to face. See, that was my first thought too as well. So 
I went, I, I actually developed it. I just went, my wife got me for Father's Day a couple of years ago. She went to TJ Maxx, got me a suitcase. Now the suitcase is perfect because it's I can put it on my stole uh, on my overhead luggage, which is great because it's like that's a thousand dollars worth of material in there, like from a laptop and everything else. So it's like I wanted that always to be on me. And what I did, and then this year I bought a new. I have a I have two soundboards. I have one that's permanent now. I have one that's that has travel size with me. It's the uh, Behringer twelve oh two USB, and it's much smaller, much thinner. And it fits perfectly. So I went and got some styrofoam, cut it all out, set it side in there. So now it has protection all the way around, protects the bu- buttons and stuff like that. And I have four mics of all the same ones, of the same version of them. And that's my exact same thought too because like I travel to a lot of HEJ shootouts throughout the area. I'll travel down to Illinois, um, Florida, uh, tr- down to Iowa, Minnesota, and over to Minnesota and recording podcasts because it's so convenient because I have it on four wheels and it works great because it stores um, some some swag. I'll bring with my business cards. I'll, I do koozies and such. And then I'll have all my mics packed into it. So I'll bring all four of them down with me. I don't typically bring headsets unless I'm in studio to hear the audio coming through. But otherwise, if I'm out in the in um, the wilderness, I'll just go ahead and just uh, just do it all by ear. As long as I can see my screen, it's perfect. Then, then uh, what's that? What, what do you do if, like, let's just say, you know, you're traveling, you're out with on doing a podcast um, for your power. If you don't have like direct hookup into a wall, what do you do for your power? Very good question to ask. Ask. So I actually got one of those jump starters. So it's like it's a, it's a one like with a, a pack that you attach to your battery. Well, it also has an output too, so I can just plug it into that thing. You don't only cost. Well, I, my wife asked for for a dad, so she he gave it to her, and that's what he uses as my backup power source. So then I I, I have it has a, uh, a cigarette lighter jack. I just plug in a adapter that has uh, a three prong. Plug that in there, and then I then I, from that I plug it into a uh, sound. Uh, a uh, surge protector, and then I run everything off of there. So, um, my luckily my the laptop I'm currently using has like a six hour battery life. So, which is one aspect. It's super thin. It's a Lenovo Yoga. I don't know if they still make them anymore, but it works perfectly for what we're exactly doing. It's nice and thin compared to I have like an I have another Lenovo, but it's a desktop replacement. So it's like an like that thick, and the one I'm currently using is like that thin. So it's it's a big difference on on that right there. So that's where you go. And some of the phones, like some of the older phones, you can do you can you can actually plug XLR mics into them. They have adapters for it. But all the new Samsung and iPhones have gone away from the three and a half millimeter jack. So now you have to have that type of an outsource for it. So which kind of sucks because I got my S10 specifically to to be able to plug that all into it. But I found that I I not don't have the control I want on on the device it works great if i'm just doing a simple interview but it's like i want to have the quality behind it because now it's like if it's on my phone and i have to move it from the phone to my laptop and then i have to convert it into a specific file type and then begin the editing there before i export to an mp3 okay yeah that makes sense so you just use a power converter technically is what it is from your vehicle to plug in to your okay we we run uh i just got done setting up a a duck trailer i bought a trailer just for my duck hunting um, my wife thinks it's for work, but it's for duck hunting. Um, and we, <laughs> I have power converters set up in there to run all my lights and stuff, you know, on hunts. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. That's, that's perfect, man. Cause that's, that's the, that's a great mission to have because now you have a, that to, now you have a duck blind to record podcasts. And I have some friends of mine that wanted, we want to get on the ice and do a uh, podcast on the water. 
because like uh, uh, the SmackDown podcast, Doug does that. He'll bring, well, he'll find, he has, I think he, either he has one or well, one of his friends have one of those nice luxury style um, trailers where you pull it on the ice, drop it down flush, and it has the power converter and everything else like that. And they'll, and they'll record it there, and they, or he'll set himself up in his little clam and set himself up with a conversation, have a couple of holes drilled, and they'll be recording live streaming if they if they have internet service there over there in, in uh, Minnesota. So there's a lot of us that have really cool ideas, and they all we all work with each other. Um, there is a group of podcasters that uh, when you start get the – that uh, I'll get you invited to. So this way then you can look at us and um, Eric Clark runs it and he asks really good questions like, what are you doing for X and Y and Z? And everybody um, chimes in and provides this advice because a lot of us may have done it for three, four, five years. But then if somebody comes in with a really cool tech, then we're all on board for it because like then we'll start figuring out how to balance that in our budget. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Getting into small communities like that helps out with everything, you know, having somebody to bounce your ideas off of and learning from their wrongs and from their rights helps out tremendously. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is too, it's like a lot of us um, recommend our guests to other folks too, as well. And so this way, if you want to bring somebody onto your podcast, you just go, it's like, well, I want to listen to Chris Ham from HHA and listen to him and listen to his podcast and with, uh, with myself and everybody else too. It's like this way, you're like, well, would he be a good fit for my podcast type scenario? Just using him as a prime example, because Chris has been a, a, a influential aspect in the last two years. So it's been a, a very nice blessing to have him as an ally in this uh, podcast world. Perfect. Yeah, we, uh, you know, the technology part of things is, uh, is very new to me. I didn't grow up with a whole lot of it. I just never got into it. So it's, that's going to be my biggest feat, getting over the technology side of stuff and figuring out how it works. Luckily, my wife is very smart when it comes to that kind of stuff and can help me out for the most part. But it's definitely been a learning curve on like, I mean, as simple as putting posts on the Instagram and making like a presence there and saying, hey, check this out. I mean, I just used to just put up a, a picture. I mean, if you go look at my Instagram when I started it compared to now, there's a picture. There was nothing written next to it. There's no hashtags. There's no at signs. And the pictures weren't even that good of pictures. So just you can see how much I've learned in the last two years on that thing with just even doing that. That's a great thing too. It's like I look at um, uh, Austin Lester. He was on my podcast, and he is a Savage Lester on Instagram. And the way he writes his his uh, Instagram posts are is just beautiful, very well thought out, very um, methodical, and everything. His pictures are absolutely gorgeous. I mean, his whole story and how he became working with. Um, uh, Mike Lover and all those guys is quite the inspirational story and how he came to where he's at. And he's, he's actually in Utah as a mountain rescue uh, uh, first responder. So it's like if somebody gets lost in the mountain, he's the first one to call. We actually recorded a podcast last year where we had to cut it short because he got called out to go because there's some kids out there on their uh, – Snowmobiles tipped it over, couldn't get it back over. wasn't prepared, wasn't wearing proper gear, so it's like it was it was a fun recap when we caught back up again uh, a few days later when we actually had a chance to sit down. So that was a fun conversation with that. So and the, the unique thing is too is like when you're asking talking to folks, they're very very willing to to jump jump on your podcast. Like you never suggest like uh, when we first started my American Sheepdog podcast, we reached out to to Tim Kennedy, the UFC Tim Kennedy fighter, and he said yes, and we got him we. Got him for about 45 minutes and 
that guy was just chock full of knowledge about his sheepdog response. He was a funny guy. He's he, he doesn't he, he's gone through some shit you can tell, but he's just a a, a extraordinary man. Put himself in extraordinary extraordinary situations. Nice. Yeah, it, it seems like the podcast is like the new way to connect with people. It seems it's growing more and more by the day. You know, when I was talking to you in our previous messages about podcasts and I was asking you questions and then you're like, we should do a podcast together. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this guy, you know, absolutely I'll do it. He'll, he'll fit me in someday. I'll get a random message and he'll be like, Hey, come on. You know, I got an opening and no, the next message back was Monday at seven. I mean, that was two (laughs) days ago. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. You know, he's, he's serious about it. And it seems like, the more that the podcasts have grown, the more open people have been to bringing people on and just letting people talk and introducing people, which is awesome. Because before, I mean, who would I go and talk to, let's say five years ago, who would I go talk to about getting my name out there in the hunting world? It, it, we didn't have the aspect of podcasts and the communication I think we have now. No, we really didn't. Cause I mean, I started five years ago and that's when I first bought all my equipment. And then I'd spend a couple of years actually doing research and learning how, uh, Joe Rogan works and Steve Rinella and Randy Newberg and all these guys and like learning from these guys and how they go after they, they sounds like basically they just chase their, the dopamine drip and figure out where everything goes and just kind of go from there. And that's where I'm at today. It's like, I just find whatever inspires me and uh, go from there. What's which has been uh, a blessing because it's like, I can talk to some really cool people and then it's, and then it opens up the doors for them down the road because it's like, Hey, it's like, well, I was on bucks for America podcast. Go check that one out. If you want it and like, cause it's this way. If somebody's getting some hesitation on having them on as a guest. And plus to get your name out there too. Cause it's like, now you're in the likes of Chris Ham and Matt Fury and, uh, Oh, some of my other classics, Brian Austin from the Beast Mode Archery Games, uh, uh, Tony Halinka, he's been on the podcast four days, uh, four times already, Anthony Schmidt from SSS Strings. I mean, all these guys are business owners, entrepreneurs, all down-to-earth people, and so you get to really get to a chance to chat with these, some of these folks here. And that's awesome, and you just don't get that opportunity very often. Yeah, exactly. And now, um, now as I'm progressing through here, now I want to upgrade to do an in-home studio because now it's like you can see I have my bull up here, Target, HHA, my, one of my first bucks I ever shot. And then now it's like I want to upgrade my at-home mics to something a little bit nicer. But when you start – like these ones right here, the, the, S, the SM58Ss, they are right around 100 to 130 bucks, depending on the distributor. From sure S H U R E because that's I, talk, I have a buddy of mine that runs the the stationary astronaut podcast. I asked him like, "What do you use for your um, mics?" And then he pointed me towards sure, and I just kind of looked at what can what can I get now that fits my budget, but also is flexible with me when I go and travel. So I that was the biggest thing too is don't cheap out on quality XLR cables. It's like they may be thirty bucks a piece, but they are worth every foot. And so, like a lot of them have lifetime warranty in them, so they 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 could take a beating from getting wrapped up in in tight corners and such. And uh, I have them for all different lengths. I have three, six, ten. I think I have a fifteen foot. I think they're. All, I think I think my longest one's twelve. But I have different lengths based off of where I'm at because I travel. And like there was there was one podcast where it's called Aeropolar. I recorded over at the R100 over in Sparta. And that one I had five podcast guests on. We were just passing the mics around, just drinking beer around the campfire, <laughs> just passing the mics and just chit chat. We chatted for like two hours. It's fun. And then 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 we came out with Aeropolar 2.0. No other way to get that uh, joke is you have to watch that list of that podcast because it was funny. Funny for it because now it's uh, Travis Ragstead. He is now uh, has 
a company called Dangler Case. And what it is, it is a silicone-based strap that goes in the back of your cell phone and it has a hook to it. It only runs like it only runs like $14.99 or something. I currently have a promo with them. If you go to check it out, it's bucks ten. It's ten percent off your order. But if you what you do is you upgrade your shipping and that'll pay for that upgraded shipping. So this way instead of taking like five business days, you get it in like two to three business days. So just upgrade your shipping. So I, we've been doing it and he's been taking off and it's helping. Uh, we've been helping each other out. And that's the cool thing about podcasts. It's all about connecting. Like in, in um, January, uh, Eric Clark is going to do a podcast of the minds, a meeting of the minds. We're all going to jump on zoom or whatever program he's running and uh, have a conversation. And it's always fun because I think there's four or five of us going to be setting up on it. So I've been on a couple of these, uh, conversations and usually I'm the one I always bring my tinfoil hat on every once in a while and I don't know it seems to be my thing because like I still get people listening to my podcast and I do get some hate so it's like you know if you're getting hate you're also getting love so it's like you know you can't please everybody yeah I the the hate thing it makes me it almost makes more people more money than the fame thing on side of things because you got to think about if you like something, you're just going to go on there and like it. You're done, right? They, you gave them your love. You're done. If you hate something, you're going to go on there and really troll it. You're going to go look at it a lot. You're going to boot your comments. You're going to do, I mean, the hate almost brings you more attention than the liking does sometimes. It does. And it's like, especially if the people are talking, like whatever they come out of their mouth or on their, out of the keyboard, it's like dumb. It's like, you know, it's like now you just, you just see more of the people that support you because, uh, with my Bucks of America pod, podcast Facebook page, I get a, I get a com- combination of both love and hate. Especially like when there's a woman that I post on there that I'm giving her giving her uh, the, the, the spotlight because she went out and did it above and beyond. Sometimes the comments are very brutal. Now the nice thing is that you can go in and you can filter that, so you can you can filter the f word, the s word, the c word. I've, it's kind of weird that how people would call like a, a woman, a cunt on the, on Facebook. It's like, dude, it's like, that's uncalled for. And the cool thing is you can just go and delete them and remove them from the list. So it's like you, you can, you can, if you're, so this way you're, you don't have to be fully involved with it. Now the cool thing is too, as, as you get to the point, you can automate your podcast there. I, I run my stuff through, uh, sh- oh, what's it, how it's pronounced Shurion, uh, give me just a moment here. I have it brought up on my phone. But what it is, it is a centralized location where I can have uh, OSHA. And it's based out of uh, France. I sat down with their marketing guy back in August. And I was kind of surprised. Like somebody from France wanted to hit me up. But what he wa- what he was looking for is people to get on their platform. And what they're gearing it towards is that for anybody to be anybody to be on there because they're 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 trying to trying to take that market away from uh, SoundCloud because that's where I do most of my streaming on and then I just use the RSS link and put that on um, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podcast Addict, Tuned In, like and a few other ones. Google Podcasts have been kind of giving me the the shaft. They will they won't tell you why they're not approving you, but it's like you kind of guess. It's like I'm very conservative libertarian podcast here so as i really point out the the aspect of what's going on but uh that's the biggest thing is finding out a program that does all the work for you so this way you're not always on your phone because that's one thing i noticed in the very beginning is that i'm always always on my phone how can i automate this so this way that i'm spending more time with what i want to do instead of trying to uh do all these posts and, and such and the cool thing is it distributes to all of the main all the 
platforms out there, and you can do automated posts too and stuff like that. So it's it's there's a lot of different programs. Like you got Hootsuite, you got Crowdfire. There's there's more than one option you can use when you get to that stage because there are there are anywhere between ten to fifteen dollar a month subscription. So it's like it's going to take you a moment to get there to to pay for that. And I have affiliate links too that I work with to help pay for the podcast and also got sponsorship money as well. So, um, or advertising. So when you, when you, when you start getting the following where you can start charging people, then that's where you can start reaching out to the guys that have bigger podcasts to how much, how much do you charge for an episode or do you, a lot of guys just do like they do like 30 bucks for the year or $50 for the entire year. And that's where they just become a sponsor. This way that kind of locks them in for that one year, but also you're guaranteed that money. And then it's like, you just, you're just showing that you, this is the product I approve because this is what I use. Like uh, Veteran Innovative Products out of uh, Texas has been a big um, supporter of mine. I've been shooting their products since 2015, and they make broadheads, and they make some awesome stuff. But it's – you just – okay, so that was a strange one. That happened really weird. All of a sudden, I just like I'm talking to you and just disappears. Anyways, getting back to uh, – Veteran Innovative Products is that the, I've met Matt. I met Cindy. Those the those the owners and co-founder. They've been on the podcast a few times, and just meeting people like that, it just really heartwarming because they're humble people, uh, God loving, God fearing folks that just really do want to do right by the average hunter, providing a solid co- a quality product. And like the hat I'm wearing today is from Shea Butler Knives out of Illinois. I met the guy. He's a, he's awesome. He's a go getter. He he outworks anybody, and he makes really high quality knives. Like uh, um, I got this knife right here, and I use this to butcher deer. And this is typically used for most people for an EDC, and. I had it on me and I wanted to use it and it acted like a scalpel and it butchered up my dough without even thinking twice. And he, it is like, he's still, he's still kind of baffled that somebody would actually use his knife to, out in the field because he makes uh, a couple different called It's called the Ranger. And that's specifically designed for outdoorsmen. And he just creates some awesome products. And so I always, I, I think I'm when I start up- uploading his podcasts, these zoom videos, to YouTube, I'm just going to keep on swapping out hats because I, I love wearing hats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hats are the best. Hats are the best advertising. You know, we even for our fencing company, we pass out hats. But everybody I run across um, in, you know, the line of work that I'm in, you meet somebody that's a business owner, you're going to work for them. They always give you a hat at the end of the day. You know, when you're done, they always they're always handing out hats because, I mean, you wear it so much and it's an awesome way to get your name out there for sure. Oh yeah, exactly. And like he, he does a pretty good deal where, uh, where it's like, it's all leather engraved, all printed on that. And then you set it all up from there. I haven't put my order in yet, but, uh, um, you also can go a little bit more lower range. So it all depends on what you want your price point to be per hat. And that's the thing is like getting that point up. Cause like I can only do orders of like 20 to 30 hats. And it's like, that's still a couple hundred bucks. So it's like having the, um, the inventory is, is always kind of iffy to work with because you don't want to get a whole bunch of one design and it doesn't sell. So I a lot of my material is all promotional. Okay, yeah, that's, like I said, we give out a hat too. We have a top hand fencing hat with our logo on it and we just give it out. You know, we just buy them. At the, each, each year we buy a, a uh, what do they call it, a sleeve of hats. You know, we order them and then we hand them out and Somebody happens to see it; those hats just paid for themselves. You know, we don't charge anything for them. It's just a good way to get our name out there. Oh yeah, and everybody likes free swag, especially hats. Like my dad has tons of hats. I have. Well, let's see here if I can get my. That that's just a portion of my hats. <laughs> good, excellent. 
last summer, my wife and my daughter put this all together. We went and went to uh, Menards, got the, the trim. It's all it is is just wood trim. And we just grabbed hooks and we just put, started putting all the hats. And I still have more hats that I haven't put up there yet. So it just it's like I have to come up with a whole new board. So it's like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna have to have enough hats to justify building another one of those. But it was a great way to display them. So now it's like whenever I leave the house, it's like, what do I feel like wearing today? Yep. Yep. And there's those, I have quite the hat collection myself from just, you know, people handing them out and stuff. And I just have them in piles all over the place and I need to find a way, but I love when somebody gives you hat, you know, like if I, if I'm dealing with somebody that I'm not real fond of, I don't give them a hat, but you know, and I think a lot of people think the same way. Why would I let this guy wear my hat? But when a guy hands you a hat, it's kind of like, almost like a compliment. It's, it's weird. It's like, it's like man talk without saying, Hey buddy, <laughs> thanks. It's like, here's a hat. And when somebody hands you a hat, you're like, I did something right. You know, this guy likes me. Mm-hmm. That is a good way to look at it. I never thought of that uh, being a, as a positive, um, like almost like a, a unspoken handshake. It's like, here, where are my hat from? It's like, that's what happened. I am a uh, toxin app. What it is, is it's an app that's being developed right now where it's going, it wants to take it internationally. But what Jeremy's idea is, is that he wants to bring a bunch of uh, sh- fields or different, different, um, uh, clubs and stuff like that and put the names on it so this way that if you're bored one Saturday and you're looking for something to do you can bring up his app and it'll show you all of the archery events in your area but he also wants to get like S3DA and Beast Mode Archery and a bunch of other people on there so this way then it's like also local regional events too so this way you can go out like I'm hoping that he's able to work something out with Bowfest because that's one of our bigger events here in uh, in Wisconsin, and I think it's going to be in June or July, but it's going to be like four days of shooting targets, like 100 plus targets are going to be there, and a bunch of vendors are going to be there too, and it's going to be singing in there. They'll bring in like uh, Aaron Lewis from Stained. He he made an appearance two years ago. Uh, was Babe Winkleman? He made he was, he was there for giving a guest seminar. So it's like they're attracting the right names to bring hunters to be up there. And it's like they have some pretty good prices for whether you whether you camp out there, get a place to lodge. They also it's like they're trying to make this also a well-rounded uh, family event too. They even have a water park too for the kids. So my wife and I are trying to figure out what we want to do for this upcoming season because we do, do a lot of traveling all throughout the summer. I am a very very busy man. There's there's not there's no such thing as me being having a dead weekend. There's always something going on. Either I'm hunting, I'm fishing, I'm going to a podcast event, I'm going to go shoot my bow, going to go to the gun range. It's like I'm always doing something fun, and that is kind of like what a guy wants to create his life to be. Because like I wouldn't want to be bored sitting at home, staring at my PS5 or PS4 or whatever, you know, and not missing life because I'll tell you what, it's like I don't remember video games, but I remember events. And that is what I think we need to strive for is getting people away from the programming of our entertainment system, getting back outdoors because outdoors is where you live and you and you have these memories because when I go to the old folks' home, I want to have memories of people I got to hang out with instead of playing a video game that I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And you'll, you'll remember people a lot longer than you'll remember that one time on a video game all day. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, uh, I think busyness is good for a guy, for anybody man or woman i think busyness a body in motion stays in motion i i completely live by the same aspect i mean there's times you know we run some cows ourselves we we have horses we have our businesses we have there's times where it's midnight and i'm just now getting home off the road and 
I'm still sitting down and doing stuff till one o'clock in the morning. And, you know, the next morning I wake up and I should be extremely tired and wore out. And I'm just, I'm ready to go again because I'm ready to keep that motion going. Yeah, exactly. And when you're inspired, you don't pay attention to time. All you're doing, it's like, except for paying bills, but you don't pay attention to time because you're living in the now. You're not thinking about what's going to go on next week or in two weeks or a month on the run. You're paying attention to what's going to happen that day because you're going to have a fun full adventure, especially when you're working outside. And like I work in IT, it may seem, may seem kind of boring, but it's quite challenging because I have to communicate with so many different people because everything I fix has a direct response to making somebody else's life easier. So it's like it's a good place to gain wisdom because you're always fixing problems. And uh, one thing that I that I found online that I thought was pretty uh, – what's what I'm looking for? Pretty uh, influential was the five hobbies a person needs, man or woman. Like one is to make you money. So mine is is Bucks of America podcast. Is like figuring out how to profit that, scale that right there. Next thing is something that keeps you in shape, something that keeps you healthy. Obviously for us, it's like you have an outdoor job. I have a desk job, so I use hunting and archery and fishing as my main way of staying in shape. And then something to keep me creative is another aspect you need to think of. One, to build your knowledge. So I use podcasts, books. Uh, I will use conversations like this. And another one is to, to always involve your evolve your mindset. And that's like listening to Grant Cardone, Bradley, uh, oh, there's, that's just a drop in the bucket, but there's a Robert Kiyosaki, like things that interest you and changing your mindset to either to bring you to another stage in your life or trying to figure out how to get to your retirement quicker. Yeah. And a lot of people, I, when I explain, that's an awesome checklist because a lot of people, when you explain about how I say I thrive in chaos and it's not really chaos, it's just busyness. But you, I'm always like preaching like complacency is a disease. Once you start getting complacency and it sets in, you're done. You're not, you're not going anywhere in life. You're where you're at and you're going to stay there forever. And I always tell people just like, keep, stay active, keep doing stuff, expand. And those, that checklist is like a good motto to follow because people take it as, oh, if I'm out drinking till one o'clock in the morning, I'm staying busy. I'm doing something. It's like, you need a productive busyness. And then within that busyness of your day, it's like, you need to have um, like quality productiveness. Like when you're out hunting, you're being productive, you're being healthy, but at the same time, stop and look around and be like, Oh man, this is beautiful. So then you're also enjoying the beauty of something, you know, you're driving down the road to a job, you see something cool, take the time, pull off, go check it out, you know, make time for yourself as long as, as well as being busy. Cause if you're just busy, you will get wore out really fast. I mean, we've all been there, especially us entrepreneurs, we can, we can have bad days and, and it can turn into weeks if we don't just change one little thing up. And then all of a sudden it's like a fresh start and you're going again. Oh, 100% agreed on that, man. There's like, I surround myself with a lot of intelligent people because if you, if like, I have, I have several friends of mine that are millionaires and it's like, I, I use them as, as an inspiration to what are they listening to? What are they reading? And what are they doing to apply into their life and stuff like that? And having these folks to be able to draw inspiration from. It's just a phenomenal asset because it's a far more valuable teacher that that's somebody that does something is a far more valuable teacher than going to college because unless you are going to get a degree in medical or law or engineering, you, you everything else is just all uh, hubbub. And the cool thing is like we're in a digital media source, so everything can be self-taught. And like I, I was – I had a gal I used to work with. She was going to school to be a graphics designer. And it's like why – why go into debt and have, an, have an, an, an interest rate when you can go and on YouTube and learn how to do everything? 
And you know, it's like, and I, and I get it. Like she, she, but she's got the employee mindset. So needs, she needs to have somebody to walk her through it. Now it opening and changing your mindset is not an easy thing to do because it's like, it's very uncomfortable. And it's like, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable to be able to move to your biggest thing. Cause you, some of our my ba- my best memories like I shot a doe here five six years ago opening morning of shotgun in Minnesota negative thirteen degrees outside and I tell you what that story is going to go to me to the grave because I'll tell you that that was that was a a, a uncomfortable moment but the, the the reward was so worth it. Once you start getting comfortable, you're doing something wrong. I've came to the conclusion of I don't know if that's a saying, but I really think it should be. You know when you you shouldn't be comfortable until a lot later in life. You know, somebody my age, 29, if you're already comfortable where you're at, you haven't reached your greatest potential, I don't think. At 29, there's no way you could be at the best you could ever be. And you're comfortable at 29. I think that living out of your comfort zone, like me moving across the country, Kentucky, I mean, that's that's a little bit out of my comfort zone. That's the farthest I've moved. But the things it's going to bring on the table is so much better than just staying in Wyoming and staying comfortable. I think if you're comfortable at too young of an age, it's not a good thing. Yeah. You you kind of find yourself and falling into a rut. And that's the cool thing about podcasting is that the techniques that, that change come out so quickly because there's so many different, um, uh, audio softwares that you can choose from. You have GarageBand from Apple. I use Audacity just because A, it's free. B, there's tons of tutorials on it. There's tons of it because this way it's a great stepping stone to moving into Adobe because Adobe has a really nice one too. I think uh, Sony has another one too as well, but those ones all require to have, you have to pay a subscription for them, which is perfectly understandable if you're making the money for it. But I, I always tell folks to go to Audacity just because it's easy to use and you can learn on tutorials from it. And there's, and, and the program changes like today before I logged on, there was an update. So guess what? I had to update that thing. And so I'm kind of looking forward to see what they updated for it, even with Zoom too. But Zoom has been kind of interesting because it's been crashing uh, quite frequently. The last three podcasts I've had, it's like they're just it'll drop. And both of us, myself and my guest, will have a hundred percent Wi-Fi or cellular service, and all of a sudden it just drops on you. Now, have you started digging into softwares yet to start doing your editing? No, um, I so I did some hunting videos there. I started very premature on my hunting videos. Um, I was really gung ho, and I was I got into some good hunts. Uh, two years ago, I traveled quite a bit and chased some birds. And um, we, my favorite hunt then was I went to Idaho and hunted the Snake River. It was awesome. It was just a beautiful hunt. Well, I wanted to. We always recorded them, but never posted anything. And it was just such an awesome hunt. I was like, I got to get this up. I got to get this edited and put up. People need to see this. I was nowhere in the place to be editing videos and trying to do that. And I think Adobe is what I use for that. I would, I think, I, and I could be wrong, but I just wasn't, huh? Oh, Apple movie is what I used. And um, I, I mean, I don't know how good of a software that is. Cause like I said, I was nowhere in the place to be trying to play around with that. Um, it turned out decent. It was, a, it was an all right video, but um, on that side of things, I'm going to have to sit down with somebody like, uh, my wife's stepdad and he can tell you, he's, he can tell you just as much about software as he can the bullet and why it's made that way. He's just very broad spectrum of knowledge, but he'd be a really good guy to sit down and he can break it down into layman's terms. So anybody could understand it. I'm just going to have to really sit down with somebody and try to figure out how it's going to make just because it's the best for somebody else. It might be a little bit easier because of my 
not technology savvy self to use something else. So I'm just going to have to have somebody just really break it down for me. Yeah. When it comes to video editing, I have no, no idea, but a nice thing is there's YouTube. Uh, like with um, using audacity, it's able to really work well, well for anybody on a budget. So we can go from there. And the plus there's tons of pro- plugins for it. So hopefully it's like, it'll be able to point in the right direction. Now, because when when you're doing editing for videos, that's a whole different machine to utilize because you need a you actually need a good graphics card, a big hard drive, and a lot of RAM to be able to do everything somewhat quickly. So that requires a little bit of a of cash. Now, a nice thing about laptops or for audio, it it, it doesn't require a whole lot, like uh, which is nice because like the lap I have two laptops here. I'm staring at here, and the one I'm using right now, which it fits the job real well. I haven't had any issues with it uh, crashing. I did lose one uh, episode. I was with uh, Kurt Heddington from Expedition Archery, and I lost his audio. I was like, son of a gun. There it goes right there. So, But he's just a busy man, and I haven't been back to down to Decorah to see if he'd be willing to sit down and do another podcast with me. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't you know, want to – I'm not going to cheap out on anything just for that exact reason. I just want to make sure that – what I'm putting out there is the best quality that I can. And it's, you know, it's just, it's the best that I can do because I don't want to just half-ass it and give somebody what I think is all right. I want to put it out good and make sure people are enjoying it. And it's not just something people are just going to scroll by and be like, Oh, I listened to 10 minutes of the last one. And it, it wasn't it. Uh, yeah. I completely understand that too. My, in the, my early years, my first, my first, Oh, 10 or 20 episodes were on these cheap mics and they were absolutely horrible. The audio wasn't very good, but my listeners have stuck around this far, but it's just upgrading your, your, your equipment essentially. But yeah, that is a good thing to put some forethought into as a good laptop. Someone that's going to be able to laptop or, or desktop machine. But if you want to travel, you need to, you'll have to pay attention to what is going to make sense because tablets aren't going to cut it. So you have to figure out what your stepdad can provide you for a good solution that some that's thin, high uh a decent capacity for a hard drive because you can always i have an external hard drive so i can transfer the data off the laptop onto that when it gets full because this laptop only has like 120 gigs and i bought a terabyte um hard drive so this way i can dump stuff on there and this way they don't always have it and it's always good to have more than one backup place because like the 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 story behind toy story 2 somebody accidentally deleted the entire movie but Due to one of the automa- animators or editors, she's working from home. She had a backup copy on the movie of the movie in her uh, on her hard drive or on her server, and that's what saved the movie. And it's like that's yeah. So when you're thinking about building your laptop, it's like or when you when you figure out what kind of technology, also think about multiple places to store this information. So this way, if your laptop goes to shit. You have it backed up. So that's what I typically do. I get done with an episode. I put all that stuff on my hard drive. So this way then I have a backup of it because this way then I have two laptops because it's like we've been around long enough. It's if you if one is none, two is one. So that's how you look at it. So four is two, six is three type scenario. That's why most gun owners always have anywhere between 12 to 15. <laughs> yep. It's perfect logic. Yeah. It's, it's something that is something that's really – ironed out in the self-defense world when it comes down to sidearms 
uh, knives and stuff like that, uh, placements and such. So this way, then you're always kind of having a backup upon a backup. So I'm glad you really have a, a fourth uh, uh, ambition for it. So it's like now I was just trying to figure out which ones you want to go with. And the cool thing is, is like there's other um, soundboards out there that are easier than mine, but I just got it because it's small and convenient. It works for me when I want to travel. So that's something you have to look at too. And um, I'll send you a picture of my set out after the podcast. This way you can see how I have mine laid out. And you go from there. So this way, then you can at least get some inspiration. And so this way, then you can go from there. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's I keep pushing this idea back, but I think that moving on, especially after being on with you and getting some more insight and just seeing some more, I think that you know, you come in the next week or two, we're really going to be making some leaps forward to get this thing going. Yeah, exactly. And oh, don't forget to like, I what I've done in the past is like, if I want a discount code, I'll put items like uh, if I want to buy new mics or if I want to buy something new for my, for the podcast, I'd find the website, put it in there and you'll get these emails for, like 10% off, 15% off. And then, then, then it's like, that's when you go and buy it. Cause now you're getting a little bit more of a discount. You know, I did that with my Sirius XM radio it just expired and they kept messaging me and they kept getting, kept getting cheaper and cheaper every time I got that email. I waited until they finally called me and it was the cheapest I could get it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, same thing with my cell phone too. It's like, because my phone, my cell phone's paid off and of course Samsung and Verizon like, we want to get you to buy a new one and then I got a text message, hey, we're, we'll give you 800 bucks off and S5 plus or S5, uh, or no, the S21 series, 5G if you get a cell phone soon. So it's like, sweet. And I went to the, the Verizon uh, place and it's like, yeah, it's like this this text message is going to be good for about a month and then just make sure the bill is all taken care of and you're an authorized user and we can set you up for a new um, uh, S21 Ultra. Because I'm an Android guy. I, I don't, not a big fan of uh, iPhones because I like the customability of the Android because like you can develop, open up developer options and play around with more stuff and you can you can stop um, certain applications from listening to you. You have a little bit more, little bit more security but not necessarily a whole lot so it, it gives you that um, sense of control that uh, you never know that you that you want to have when you're developing something here so now do you have any questions for me because it's like I've been doing this for a minute you know um, I'm endless questions there's always questions to be answered I think that it's uh, I'm kind of like a in the moment type of thing I'm gonna be doing something and I'm like hey he'll know what I need to do here Um with you, you know, telling me about your setup and kind of explaining that, that's, that helps a lot on that aspect, bringing people in, talking to people, kind of good pointers. Um, and it seems like it doesn't really matter per se what you're talking about, as long as you're talking something that's passionate to you and that's what you're trying to get out there, really just follow that, it seems like. And, and you've, you've mentioned a couple of times, follow that dopamine. And it's just, and I think that I was kind of worried about what am I going to talk about? When am I going to talk about it? And it's, it's not really about that. It's about what you want to talk about and what you want to bring to people. And that helped a lot because I was really worried about, am I going to please people? But really, if I don't please, you know, this group of people, it might really please these other people. So I just need to talk about what I like and enjoy and, you know, and bring some other stuff in. I'm not closed minded by any means. If somebody wants to talk about something, I'm absolutely open to talking about it, but um, I'm going to base it off of certain things and then bring other things in as we go. That's a perfect way to be. Cause I'm the same way. It, uh, it's like you, we could have a conversation like th two or three days later, I come up with a question about something that, Hey, I know T Tyrell can answer this question for me. And I'm the same way too. It's like, it's that curiosity for us. Cause sometimes you got to take a moment to step back, uh, digest all the information, keep moving forward. It's like, uh, the book, 
uh, by Mark Hansen. It's called 48 Laws of Power. And it's, it's such a pivotal book in, a, in a, any person's life to read that they only recommend reading like one law like a week or a month or however you want to digest it because it's such a powerful uh, uh, book to read because it really changes your mindset. And, it, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a weapon to a narcissist because they're going to manipulate those to, to fall in the soup. But it's a really good thing to, to learn and to keep always expanding because even in our uh, podcast group, we'll talk about books that really have changed our lives to, to trying to focus things. Like one of my favorite books I always like to read people is Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Link. It's only like uh, 140, 150 pages, and it's really big words, large font, but the message is so precise that allows you to read a little bit let it allow us to digest and go from there. And it's like, that's really the truth for it because you could be motivated one day and be completely depressed the next. But discipline, discipline equals freedom. And I just like that uh, that notion behind it because he's a world-renowned Navy, Navy SEAL author. He has his own podcast, obviously. And he also does, goes around and speaks. I'd, I'd love to go listen to one of him, one of his speeches just because he's so motivating. Yeah, I like to, books like that, I like to, get into because it's not just somebody write it down on a piece of paper. It's somebody that's experienced it and is following what they're writing. And it's actually something that you could take home and use for yourself and learn from. And like, I I've been reading um, one of Phil Robertson's books and uh, you know, we, me and my wife, we like to sit down and try to read the book, you know, nightly. Do we do that? Not as, not as often as we should, but sometimes it's just like, there's just so much in there that you're learning like you said, it's hard to read a lot at once. You just really got to let it set in. But the way that Phil Robertson in, intertwines, you know, God and hunting and just life experiences all in one, you can really just use it in your life. And it makes so much better sense. And it's easier to take away from it than it is just to read pages, you know, and pages and pages. And, and by the end of it, you're just reading to read because you're trying to get through it. But in books like that, it's just like you really understand it. And it's like talking to you. Like I was read, I've read um, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And I'm about ready to read it again because the, he's got activities in it. But what it is is that it's for men that has they're they're a nice guy, but they don't know they're a nice guy because they keep can get themselves trapped. And it's something that's a good book for anybody at any age to read, even for women too, because it allows them to understand what's going on. And it's just very profound about how you look because it's written by a psychiatrist and he's comes from experience of a divorce and a marriage and stuff like that. And so he's kind of got that idea because he once was a nice guy too. But what basically what it is, is like finding your inner passion, your inner drive. And it's like people will become attracted to that because they, they, they want to be around people that are doing something with their lives because who doesn't want to be included by something that's doing something fun and exciting because a podcast is like all of a sudden we can have a conversation. Hey, come on the podcast real fast. Let's, let's, let's put this out in the interwebs for the rest of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You always want to be, you know, if you gotta, I, I always compare to people coming over and nowadays I always say you want to come over and hang out on your phone. Because <laughs> a lot of people that I used to hang out with, they come over and they sit on their phone and you're like, well, you know, this is a lot of fun, but why don't we talk about something? Let's make a move on something. Let's do something. And I always have really focused on lately trying to surround myself with successful people. I've learned that, you know, I, I've always heard the saying, it's easy to make money when you come for money. And I think that's a very true statement, but you're also only as successful as the people you surround yourself with. 
and you're only as active as the people you surround yourself with. If you got buddies coming over, sitting on the on the couch, looking at their phone, you're going to sit next to them and do the same thing. But if you got a buddy to come over and he's like, man, I got this idea and he just lays it out for you and he's hyped about it, you're going to get hyped about it and you guys are going to go to it together. And that's the kind of friendships that I like to have is somebody that's just like, and I mean, it can be completely left field out of my knowledge realm. And I'd still be willing just to back it, to get on something, to have fun and go on an adventure with somebody like that. Yeah, like uh, Brady that I had on here talking about crypto, he's the one that been giving me a big introduction for it. And I've also found people on YouTube and podcasts listen to about learning, expanding my knowledge on it, but like learning about the pos- potential and the possibilities of it all and like, learning about wealth or uh, Bank of America and JP Morgan, learning all about these companies that have a vast amount of cryptocurrency patents that like, oh, they're up to something that they're not telling us yet, but the only people that really know are the ones that are actually really woke because it's like I, I had a friend of mine give me the breakdown between blue pill, red pill, and black pill because blue pill, those are the ones that just don't want it. They, they want to go to work, go home. That's it. They want to live a very mundane life. They don't want to, they want to, they want to get out of their comfort zone. They don't like conflict, anything like that. Red pill is the ones that knows, kind of, kind of have an idea what's going on, but not thoroughly. And they think they can do something about it. And the black pills, people that know what they, they know what's going on. They know who's in, who's in charge that they can't do anything about it because the people aren't there. Cause the red pills haven't stepped one step further into the, in the act, in the, in the situation. So it was one of those things where it's like, that was pretty eye opening to like where I stand at my viewpoint in society and like paying attention, like what's all going to happen and kind of like looking at the ones that were preppers back in the eighties and nineties and today. And it's like, these guys were onto something because it's like, we're poisoning the earth through um through monsanto and so we really got to pay attention to this oh absolutely yeah it's you know we growing up you watch those shows and as a kid you don't really realize what's going on around you in the world you're just a kid you're living there but you're watching these shows i remember watching preppers and just thinking man these guys are crazy you know it's i classified them as their own kind of people nowadays I, i i'm like man those guys were geniuses they're smart they knew something whether whether they were 100% right on what they exactly believed was going to happen, they were still right and something's happening. It doesn't matter if they were right on the, the exact occurrence, but they were prepared for something. And it's, it's like I said, it's funny thinking about, I just used to think, man, these guys are, this is good entertainment. But now I'm like, hey, I'm kind of entertainment to some people, I bet. It's kind of <laughs> like, it's kind of like uh, Alex Jones, because the one thing that Joe Rogan that I take to take seriously is that Alex Jones never been wrong. It's just a matter of what he says in one moment will come out down the road for being true. Like back in May of 2020, he was talking about that the the, uh, the, the vaccine is looks just like the AIDS virus. And come to find out with gain-of-function research that just came out here a few months ago with uh, Dr. Fauci and uh, with the beagles and stuff like that, it all came out to be true. It's just a matter of time. And, it did, and then just, just before we, I hit record, I watched information on John Hopkins. They said – all the vaccinated, all the vaccinated, and one in one hundred plus or minus are going to come down with COVID because of the vaccine. And, but it's something that's not being discussed because we're distracted by what's going on on a global status. Oh, absolutely! Everything is, you know, a show of hand. It's a magic trick. It's just show of hand. And it's when you sit back and pay attention to if you know something's going on for some reason, it hits news that day, and it's a really big event, and it just happens to hit it that day. It's funny how something even bigger, that, but but less important, comes out the next day, and that really important thing just kind of gets pushed over. And your focus, on, they really take your focus from one thing to another and move it around to keep stuff sliding the hands. You know, they just kind of 
they're very able to change things and opinions and outlooks on things very fast with media and however else that you get your information. And then the biggest thing is if you, if you're a historian buff, you should look back in 1948, it's called the Smith Mund Act. And that was written to stop this type of propaganda. Then in 2012, there's there's the modification of the Smith Mund Act. Now we have all this propaganda because before uh, 2012, we had the H1N1 virus. And, and remember, we don't hear a whole lot about it now. Is because of that law being in there. And, and w- if we want to make changes as a society, we have to go after that. Because like we're still lucky we have the Second Amendment. Because you look at what Germany's doing, what Austria's doing, what Australia's doing. That is some tyrannical bullshit right there. And luckily, there are people all around the world standing up from it. And the funny thing is, though, is like, whatever happened to the Delta variant? It's like all of a sudden, it's like we don't longer test for it. But then again, it's like the the CDC just came out that the PCR tests are invalid. They're 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 non functional. They have too many false negatives or false positives coming back. And it's like it is just a interesting thing because like when you start seeing all these things and you you pull yourself up to a thirty thousand foot view, that's when you really start paying attention. As I tell anybody, if you really want to know what's going on, you pay attention to the World Economic Forum because that that group was started the same year the U.S. went off the gold center in 1971, uh, created by Klaus Schwab. He wrote the book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution, and that's what we're in right now. And that book will blow your mind. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at it. It's, yeah, I've, I've stepped back, and the more I've almost became just sour with people over all this. I mean, because there's just so much going on. There's so much different opinions on everything, and everybody believes this and that and this and just watching stuff go on around me and being from that small town and, you know, coming Fort Collins is big for me. I'm not used to a town this big, you know, coming to places like this and traveling through big towns and having, you know, step uh, mother-in-laws in California and hearing the way they talk about things and everything's just so obscured nowadays that it, it's, it's frustrating because you just sometimes want to grab somebody and shake them, but that ain't going to help. You know, and it, it's it's frustrating, and I became very distant from people because, I mean, I had a horrible, I had a conversation with my mom the other day that I ended up hanging up because I was just so Twitter pated at her response. My mom's a very smart woman, very smart, book smart, one of the smartest people I know. And I was driving down the road, and she says, "Man, you put a lot of miles on that truck." And I said, "Yeah, I bought it with forty miles six months ago. I got thirty thousand on it now." And I said, I really, I really appreciate your vote and help with that gas prices. And her response was, (laughs) you really think, you really think he has something to do with that. And it blew my mind that one of the most educated women I knew had that response to my comment. And I hung up the phone because it just took me by surprise that people are so easily wavered that that would come out of my own mother's mouth. The biggest thing is like I've learned is that you pay attention to history and the people in society because we're marching right to it because we're on in the infancy stages of the 1930s Germany. And, but the thing is we're on a world scale right now, and that's the frustrating part. But anyways, we've hit a lot of really key aspects and points on this here, and I'm hoping that the listeners will chime in and find you. How can somebody find you on social media? Social media, the only thing that I run through right now is Instagram. Um, my name on Instagram is top hand underscore outdoors. And, um, that's the only thing that I have going right now. I've just decided that I'm going to start with one kind of get it going. And once I have that social media going, I can expand into others. And, um, so Instagram top hand 
underscore outdoors is where you can find me, follow everything I do. I post a lot. I try to be very relevant and keep up people up to date on what I'm doing and, and just, you know, keep the knowledge going out there. And I'll, I'll be posting your handle in the show notes so this way that people can handle it. Cause I'm hoping that there's another podcast listener on here that will message you and provide you some advice that I, that I may have not have covered yet, or at least maybe put a seed into into your mind like hey look at this also and it's like uh and then just kind of take your small leaps and bounds because right now like i've been like uh the greg tubbs and uh, eric clark they have headsets with the microphones on them but though their units are like 250 bucks a piece so it's like you know what i mean it's like but it's like you're seeing everybody's different technologies but i'm hoping somebody can perspite you like hey maybe like start with this mic out and then when the funds are right and you buy this mic and then so this way they can go from there because I I want to upgrade my at-home mics to provide a little bit better quality because these mics are fantastic, but it's just time to just to kind of upgrade and keep moving from there. So this way then I can just go from there because it's like the part of growing a technology-based uh, enterprise or media is to always keep growing with it because I only have the one camera right here on my laptop, but it's like... I'm looking at everybody else and they have these really nice laid out studios. And it's like, you know, I like the setup I have right now, but that works for them because they own their own homes. They can do the manipulation. I rent. I have no ambition to right now to, to buy a house. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens with the great reset and to see where I need to put my money at and hopefully be able to snatch up some land. Cause that's what I'd rather do. But maybe find some people that would want to, that are like-minded like us that would like to be able to homestead someplace and be able to be away from society like running generators running um solar panels and stuff like this to be self-sustaining and there's a guy out in tennessee that i found on tiktok that talks about his their struggles and stuff like that and they went together they bought like 110 acres of land between the three of them and they they all figured out what they need to do and it's like all together like per person was like 150 grand to help with the materials, the merchant, everything they need to to make them self-sustaining. But now they're starting to see all their work pay off within that first five years because now they have cattle and pigs and chickens. So that cuts and that brings down your food costs and then brings up your quality of life and such. So this way, then you're controlling what goes into your body and such, and and not having to go and buy uh, stuff from the store and such. You know? Yeah, because I mean, I, you've been to the grocery store lately, I imagine it. It's it's there's some places it's not bad, but there's definitely some places there's some slim picking, and it's really the nice thing about owning animals is you have that that ability to fend for yourself when you need to. But yeah, owning land right now I think is absolutely key, and that's what we're in the process of doing. We're not even looking at houses; we're looking at land ourselves, and the house thing will come later because I think that without land, if anything goes bad, you're not going to make it. It doesn't matter if you have a roof over your head, you need something. I mean, obviously you want to stay dry, but the land will give you that when you need it. Exactly. And the cool thing is you can throw up a shed for 10, 15 grand. You make it big enough for a fifth wheel. And it's like now you're shielded from the elements and then your property taxes are going to go up because it's a garage, not a house. And then you, and then you, then you guys can navigate based off your funds to go and keep moving to different strides to better you and your wife and your family. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's nerve wracking moving at this time of in our country. It's, it's like, and you know, you're raising a daughter, raising a child right now. It just blows my mind that we're, we're bringing more people into this. It's, it's just kind of scary. Oh yeah. And the scarier part though is too, is like, I was born in 84 
And so my last vaccination was in 1996. And at that point in time, I think I only had 14 of them. When a kid turns 18, if they follow the vaccine schedule, they'll have over 90 vaccines by the time they graduate. And that is a little far-fetched because it's like I've seen what's happened to the what's like the people that were born in the 80s. You can see the mental clarity because they're not being clouded by all these different vaccines. And it's like uh, the, these new mRNA vaccines, it's almost like they're trying to make them designer drugs. And if you notice that the, you had the first vaccine, the second vaccine, the booster. Well, the booster wasn't supposed to come. You're only supposed to get a booster until every six months. Well, now they're going to be bumping it to every three months because what it does is it destroys your white cell count, blood cell count. And now you have a daughter that's seven months old, and you have all these things to look forward to. Like I had a friend of mine that almost got – her daughter was almost double-dosed by – I can't remember what it was, what the injection was, but it wasn't for him paying attention that the nurse, the, the, the second, with the, the, uh, would have got given her a double dose of something that she got a few hours before, and it's been can't just say it's been, been tied to autism, but the biggest thing you look at that is that all the vaccine companies have immunity. So they don't. They're not. They're they're not going to test and how X works with Y works with Z because your body is an oven. Now you're injecting all these other ingredients in it, and nobody knows how each one's going to interact and how it's going to fuck your body up. I agree. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I never gotten the, as a child, I think my mom took me and got the flu shot a couple times. Um, but ever since I was, you know, able to make my own decisions, I've never gotten the flu shot. I'm not vaccinated. I don't have any biz, I don't have any interest in being vaccinated. My wife, unfortunately, she was not going to get vaccinated, but they said that if you don't get vaccinated, you don't come back to school. Well, she's eight, eight and a half years deep in her to her college and six months from being done. It's like, what do you do? Try to take a stand because we're in Colorado. We're in very liberal country. And then what nobody's going to have her back here. I mean, you know, so it's just going to be her by herself. So what do you do? So she had to go get the vaccination. And it's not that I'm I, I mean, I am against it, but. Another reason, the like, because of everything that's gone into it, I mean, I don't, I have no interest in it, but the way that they have brought it on to people and almost just, you know, usually they bring it, they do all their tests. They're like, okay, it's open when you're ready. Come take them as you want. Not this one. This one was, it's open now, come take them. It wasn't, we tested it, we did this. It was, it was, you have to do this. They just went, even if they went around it the nice way, I still wouldn't have done it. But the way that they went to about it completely pushed me away from it as well. And especially when Pfizer came out that they're not going to release any adverse reaction, any ingredients till 75 years. And then guess what? It's like, I'm going to be dead by that time. My daughter will be 75 at that point. Well, she'll probably be 80 something at that point if she makes that long. But you know, it's like, it's, it's a very weird thing. It's like, why are they doing this? And it's like, they're all the red flags are being out there. And it's like, and plus it violates the, the Geneva code all one through 10 of the rules and stuff like that. And that's what scares me is that nobody's paying attention to that. Yeah. And nobody, and nobody can talk about it. Every time it's brought up or talked about, it's just slide of hand. It goes to the next person and they can pass it around to a hundred people in one conversation. And we still don't get an answer. I mean, it can just keep jumping around. Now, if you do some research, you can't use uh, Google, DuckDuckGo, uh, MSN, or Bing, or Yahoo, but there is called the uh, 
um, the Nuremberg Project 2.0. And it's a real project, and it has something like 10,000 practitioners and another 28,000 nurses and stuff like that from all different uh, fields, like not just medical, but also psych- psychology too as well. And it's all been, this is all being fought in the uh, the UN over the, over in those countries over there in Eastern Europe. And they're they're building up against it. And, and there's actually a law, there's a law firm out there. I have the videos on my phone because they're so valuable, is that there's a law firm if you're, if you're loved one is being treated and they have x y and z uh uh prescriptions on there you need to call this and they'll call the clinic and they'll tell them to stop because it's that's what's killing the uh, uh the patients is the treatment and but right now it's like it's being billed as the success and it's like it's all about misinformation and it's like that's where we're at right now and it's like it's i don't people don't like TikTok, but I tell them it's like it's the only form of the only source source of information that it cranks out so quickly that the moderators can't stop it. But they'll allow pedophilia, but they won't. But they'll try to re- restrain your information. That's why if you look at YouTube, all of the major thought provoking people are all been removed. Like Ben Shapiro, Alex Jones, I think Joe Rogan still has on, is on there, which is kind of surprising. But you know, you start looking at all the list of people that even on both sides of the aisle, if you don't fit their narrative, they're going to bounce you. Oh, absolutely, because it, it, it's controlling. It's suppression of, of, of our speech. They have to, if one person can get another person to think, that person can get two more people to think, and you have a snowball effect. And here, all of a sudden, we're waking up and we're like, hey, this isn't right, and we're not the only two people talking now. We have how many other people listen to us. They don't, want, they don't need that. That's bad for them. And that's where I recommend anybody to read uh, 1984 by George Orwell because he worked his way up into the uh, the uh, information like MI like MI six and stuff like that. Their their intelligent company or intelligent uh, I should say company, not their firm or uh, bureau and stuff like that. But that's how they figured out everything was going on. So we're right now in the stage of the Ministry of Truth because everything is now being manipulated. And eventually we're going to have the, the 2 plus 2 equals 5 narrative going on because, like for an example, like few, was it two, three weeks ago, that United Airlines and a bunch of airlines uh, had to cancel hundreds of flights because the um, the uh, employees didn't weren't going to, refusing to get the vaccine. They refuse, so it's like, but none of this information is on any mainstream media, so this way that it can be removed from the history books. Yep. Yeah, Southwest was one of the ones that took the biggest hit. They they lost, I can't tell you how many pilots, because they said, no, we're not doing this. And that's what me and my wife fly, because we, we fly quite a bit, and we like Southwest, um, just always have flown them. And, yeah, there was so many cancellations because they were just like, we're not having these guidelines. This isn't working for us. We don't believe in it. And yeah, it was a huge thing, but you don't, like you said, I, I haven't, I've talked to people that know about it, but have I actually seen posts on it? No. These will be the legends we'll pass down to our kids of the rebellious stages of, of society. Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll seem like outlaws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's well, if we're not careful. That's how we're going to be classified because it's like, I was listening to my sister-in-law and she said something it's like, this is why the not this is why the, the Nazis game came into power so rapidly because it's like when you look through the SS logs and stuff like that, it was not their neighbors turning people in for being Jewish. It was their relatives, their mom, their dad, their kids, and that's what blows your freaking mind. And all this information is at our fingertips. And the coolest thing about how evil the 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 real power players, they'll tell us what they're doing. 
but it's their it's I guess it's a form of their religion or their kind of cult where they need to tell us what they're doing and if we don't push back it's our way of telling them you can go ahead and do it you have our blessing yep and, and absolutely I mean and they have I mean we've been told so many times you watch history history will repeat itself it always does I saw a funny post the other day it was the Indians and they said the government told us we didn't need guns either I mean just you just keep looking at how it repeats itself and it is we get told that this stuff is going to happen whether you pay attention to it or not it's out there you can find it it is hard because they have it so screened but if you can find it you if you know where to look you will find what they're doing to us and the fact is like you know i've talked to my wife i'm like i'm just waiting to go say something but just me going by myself then again i'm just there if people follow me then it's good and you get you get that following and you can make a difference but one person standing up, they can quiet you so fast and bully you out of it that it's it's unbelievable how one guy's speech can be turned into nothing. Oh, yeah. And it's like the unique thing is if you look back in history and back in the – like when we're trying to pass all these different uh, – the Pittman-Robertson Act. And if you notice, it only took like – I think it was like less than 120 days from when it was written till it's passed. Like if, if we if, – if the power of the people then had it, we could do that today. But we have so many distractions. So many distractions, and, I t- and it's like the cool thing is, like when you listen to the immigrants on social media talk about their communist country from Russia, from Cuba, from Mexico, from Puerto Rico to Guam to all these to, from them. That's like, I, it's like if you guys have that same mindset about like trying to leave your uh, uh, communist countries, like start buying guns because we're gonna need you when it comes down to comes down to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the funny thing is, it's gonna be the vic- it's gonna be the immigrants that are gonna help wake us up. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're we're following we're following suit with those other countries in a way that's not completely obvious. But if you look at it, I mean, they're trying to get out of something that we should be trying to get out of as well. Amen to that. Well, man, we've we've had a lot of awesome com- uh, conversation pieces and stuff like that. I'm really excited to listen to your podcast. Do you have you started uh, spinning any names that you want to release to the public, or you still want to keep that underneath your hat? You know, I'm going to keep that one. I've, I've I've thought of some, but I just haven't said one that really made me smile yet. So I'm going to keep that one underneath my hat. But when I do come on one, I'll definitely put something out there and let everybody know what it's going to be. Awesome, Tyrell. Thank you for that little tidbit in the end. Guys, go out and find him on Instagram. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And you guys have a great night.